things you should know right off the bat. I've had four cups of coffee. I'm a little nervous. Did I mention my name's Chadi? Yeah. Oh, this is a creative church podcast, and, well, you should know that uh, I cry in corners. True story. What is up, fam? And welcome to episode eight of I Cry in Corners. Uh, the last couple episodes, we broke down uh, a bunch of weird little chotty isms uh, I have on leadership and about leading myself well and leading others well. Um, I'll do a quick recap for those that are just tuning in for the very first time. Um, but when it comes to leading yourself and others, perfection is a myth, emotions are a necessity, love is a must have. Sacrifice is a how-to. Roots are the gatekeeper to your dreams. Great leaders follow well. Kingdom is king. And today we're going to talk about your words. And uh, I don't have a cool way to say eight. I just put your words matter. So I don't know if somebody else can think of something cool for before next week. Holler at your girl. (laughs) Since I am the queen of saying the wrong things at the wrong time, today I thought I'd uh, maybe uh, rip off the band-aid a little and talk about how your words should be uh, wisely utilized, um, lovingly placed, um, and carefully aligned to Jesus. All things I think you should already know, but I'd like to maybe talk about them since um, I have really royally ruined this one. And um, pretty much your girl here has said the worst things ever. Yeah, like I'm not making this up. I'm not making any of this up. When I was six, I called a kid a penis. Yeah, I just said that. Um, I had absolutely no idea what I was saying. I had just watched E.T. and repeated something I heard and um, as a like a a dig, and I had no idea what I was saying, but I do remember the referral I received and the beating. Um, When I was eight, uh, I told my brother's fourth grade teacher uh, if she ever spoke harshly to him again, she'd have to deal with me. Yeah, like I stood in this lady's face and told her this. I I didn't know what I was doing. I then asked her um, if she understood the words coming out of my mouth, and I let her know uh, I'd keep my ear open for her um, if she screwed this up again. Again, I also remember that beating. (laughs) When I was in sixth grade, I lost uh, the school-wide spelling bee as I tried to make a joke and spelled apartment as A-P-T dot. Total fail. Um, Once I told a guy whose mom had died of cancer, he was just a mean man without a mommy. I'm, I'm dead serious I said this. It was a horribly, horribly placed movie reference, and I wasn't thinking, um, which is usually when I say things that are inappropriate is I'm, I'm not really thinking. And uh, let's not fail to mention the one time that um, I, that's what she said in my pastor, uh, like two weeks into being on staff at our church. That was, that one was bad. Um, but thankfully uh, she loves me, but I used to say the worst stuff ever. I've tempered this junk now, but um, oh my gosh, in my twenties, forget about it. I even wrote a book and I read it a couple years ago just to like just to read back through it, and I had absolutely no kingdom filter. I had no filter at all. I just said whatever I wanted. And um, I had zero discretion with my words. Uh, my words were kind of my weapon. Um, as I'm pretty fast on the comeback trail, and I can think of clever quips like no, like nobody's business. But as I've gotten older, uh, wiser, but mainly older, I've come to realize that my words, even the funny or accident ones, have power. And you can't lead anyone if you don't know how to wield the weapon of your words. It took me a really long time to learn this. 
It took me a really long time to learn when and how to speak and to recognize the room I'm in at all times as some things you can get away with saying and other things, depending on the room, you should just be quiet. I learned this very quickly when I first came on staff and when I first came in ministry. And um, initially I didn't get this right at all, but I've gotten better. And I'm here today to walk you through the things I've learned uh, that have helped me get to this current vantage point. I say this current vantage point because I'm somebody that leads from the middle. Chadi, what are you talking about? You lead from the middle. Well, I have a team of people underneath me, but I also have a team of people above me that oversee me. I like to look at it as um, I'm like standing on a hill. This is the this is the, the the revelation the Lord gave me. Sometimes people get really frustrated that they lead. They may be leading from the middle, um, as they have people above them and, and they have people below them. But I I look at it as I have a very very particular vantage point. See, I'm standing on a hill, and when I look to my left, I can see my entire team. And they are working hard and they're killing the game. And then I look to my right on the other side of the hill and it's all the epic leaders ahead of me. See, everyone thinks that the people ahead of them are maybe higher up the mountain. But I like to think that maybe they're just on the other side of the mountain and they see the valley ahead. They see the quicksand ahead and they see the trenches ahead. And they're just calling up back up the hills for us to call back down to the other side to the guys that don't have the vantage point we do. Leading from the middle means you have a vantage point. Other people don't. But before um, I go way ahead of something I'm not going to talk about completely, um, I just want you to know that you have a vantage point. As a parent, um, no matter where you are in life, whether you're a student, you have a very particular vantage point where there's people behind you and there's people ahead of you. You just need to choose to accept it. So before I give you my internal, awesome, intenso thoughts on your words and understanding your vantage point, um, I need you to understand three things. These are the three things before, before I break it down to you. These are the three things that I had to learn and cry through and spend 15 years in ministry to realize um, that I can't actually even master my words until I become okay with these three things. So if you're writing anything down, write these three things down. Okay. The first one, being right doesn't make you right. Chadi, what are you talking about? Well, I think a lot of times when you use our words incorrectly, it's because you're speaking up when you shouldn't be because you think that maybe you're you're right. You have to be right. They need to know that you're right. There is a needing to know that um, has to, you have to let go of in order to move forward and be able to wield your words and master your words correctly. I told somebody recently that the legacy of my life will be that I'm always right and it doesn't matter because I've learned that being right doesn't make me right. Um, sometimes it makes me insubordinate or disrespectful or um, like I, I look like I'm not um, a part of a team. And I, I remember in my early years, I would fight to be right instead of fight to be faithful. When God has asked us to be faithful, Jesus was right. Jesus was standing in front of Pontius Pilate and he was right. It didn't make him right. He stood in front of the Pharisees and they beat him and they did all those. He was right. But sometimes being silent is what God wants because he's trying to move his kingdom forward. But you're so focused on being right and not wielding and mastering your words that what happens is is people see you instead of Jesus. So the first thing you need to know is being right doesn't make you right. The second thing is is your opinion isn't always wanted, uh, even though it might be needed. 
I'm going to say this again. Your opinion isn't always wanted, even though it might be needed. Um, Early on in um, my years in ministry, and I remember I'd be like, I don't understand why they're not asking me my opinion. Like, I'm the expert in the room. Um, But sometimes I felt like God, what what would happen is was I would notice people wouldn't ask my opinion or they wouldn't ask my expertise or they wouldn't bring me into a situation because they had a vantage point that I didn't. See, see, they're down there in the trenches. They're down there with all the quicksand and they're not going to call up to the hill and talk to me about the quicksand because guess what? There's no quicksand on my hill. And I think a lot of times you have to, it, it comes to really trusting your leadership and trusting God and understanding that I don't need to be right. And you know what? God, they'll ask my opinion when you feel like it's needed. Look, if you want to master your words, be a person that knows when to speak, knows how to speak, knows what to speak into, you've got to be okay with not with with being right doesn't make you right and your opinion isn't always needed. And the thirdly, silence speaks. So learn to wield the gift as it um will push you way further along than your opinion ever will. Being right doesn't make you right. Your opinion isn't always wanted even though it might be needed and silence speaks. Learn to wield the gift as it will take you farther than your opinion ever will. Yeah. Um, so real life, guys, uh, sometimes you just need to be quiet. This is usually when I start shushing people. So if you're new to the podcast, I shush a lot. Um, but this is one of those like, shh, 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 just stop talking. Stop, stop. Just be silent. Jesus was silent and it was so powerful. It was so powerful. Um, I love when um, Jesus, I'm kind of obsessed with the story of Jesus and Pilate. I might need to actually do a podcast about it um, because his silence actually spoke so much of who he was and um, his strength. And um, you know what? I might actually have to do this. So um, it just silence, man. Just be quiet. Like you want to learn how to master your words? Don't talk. And what happens is, is then God will honor the fact that you were quiet and God will honor the fact that you honored up and you, and you didn't care about being right and you didn't care about your opinion. And all of a sudden he'll give you a place to speak up in things that maybe you, um, are not privy to and God will give you honor in those moments. So just embrace those things. Yep. Okay. So if you can do these three things diligently, your expertise and opinion won't be what goes before you. You don't want that to go before you. Love instead will be what goes before you. And if I've learned anything while leading people and leading myself, it's, it's that love and loving people is the greatest, the greatest leadership lesson that most people straight up miss or overlook. Because I, I don't know why. I just, I think that love reigns supreme. And if you're soaked in love, your words will show it. I'm telling you, the minute I started living through a love filter, a kingdom filter, living sacrifice in such a way that love was all that I was trying to attain and not a position and not um, trying to be the best at everything else. I just wanted to love people. Once I started to lead from love, all those things I used to say went away. And I began to speak life, speak health, and speak to what is not as it is. Let me break this down. Leaders who serve from love speak life. In Proverbs 18, 20 through 21, it says, good words satisfy like a fine meal. Yes, good conversations are sure to satisfy and words have power in matters of life and death. 
and those who love will savor their fruit. And so I, I love this verse because it totally reminds me to speak life. It, it reminds me to bear fruit that speaks life. It reminds me that I needed to be focused on things in such a way that love is what comes out of my mouth. See, what happens is, is I've, I know this about myself. I, I'm a gap filler. Is anybody else a gap filler? It's like all of a sudden you can see all the bad stuff that could possibly happen and you feel like you got to warn everybody. And so you jump in when maybe you shouldn't jump in. And I, in my early years of ministry, I, I, I could, I could see things moving forward, but I might not have the position to speak to those things, but I would speak to them anyway. And so what happened was I began to speak things that were not life-giving over things that maybe should, I should have just been quiet. See, instead of filling the gaps with my work or with love, I filled gaps with my words. And if you see a problem, use your words with kindness, and I would, but I would use them with sarcasm. <laughs> I, would, uh, I would just like look at something and instead of going, hey, you know what, that might not work out the way that you think it's going to work out, um, but uh, I could see why you would want us to do that. No, I wouldn't do that. I would just be like, this is not going to work out. This is, this is going to fail. And I did this over and over again, and I belittled leaders, and I belittled people, and um, I would suck the air out of the room when, when really what I should have been doing is just loving people and letting them just work it out. I think a lot of times we look at our leaders, and they might be making a decision that we don't approve of, and so we think now it's our, our, our turn to say something. No, it's your turn to be quiet. I, Sometimes I feel like, Lord, did you put me in leadership just so you could tell me to be quiet all the time? And sometimes I feel like he's like, yes, now you're getting it. Just shush, shush. Like Jesus didn't do all, like when he was standing in front of people and they were calling him things and saying things to him where he should have spoken up. He didn't because he, he let love, his sacrifice, his work, the things that he did, his people, the legacy of his life speak for him. And when you become a person that speaks life over thing, you're everything, you're speaking love, you're speaking things that uplift people. And that means speaking life means correcting with love. This one's a big one, guys, because you have to know your gift set, you personally, for you to be able to really understand how to speak love. So I'll give you an example for me. I, I know that I have like a prophetic gifting on my life, so I'm able to see things or um, see things in people or situations. Again, I'm a gap filler um, that I should be speaking love into and see um, the prophetic. What it should what it should always be doing is speaking love and encouragement and activating things in people and in situations. Um, but because I didn't know how to wield that for a very long time, what happened was I wasn't calling out potential. I was squelching it. Um, dear millennials, this is a PSA for you. Direction is not correction. It's direction. Sometimes your boss will need to remind you of things or bring to your attention something you may have forgotten. Don't be so easily offended and feel demoralized for absolutely no reason. So uh, work, work on your grit and understanding. Okay. Everyone else other than millennials, don't be so harsh with your correction. And if your tone is lathered in sarcasm and disdain, while you're giving said direction, it will come across as correction. And if you hurt people and you hurt their feelings, they won't follow you anywhere. So work on your face and your tone. Okay, let's go back to the whole prophetic gifting thing. Guys, you got to know how to love and speak life over people. And that means correcting them. That means loving them. That means not saying things to them in public instead of, pull, instead of pulling them aside and correcting them in private. 
Um, because the reality is, is when you lead from love, you lead people with love. You don't correct people and tear them down. If anything, speaking life over people builds them up. Okay. So let's go over what we've gone over so far. Leaders who serve from love speak life. And secondly, they speak health. Colossians 4, 6 says, when you speak the word, speak it gracefully as if it's like a seasoned salt. So you will know how to respond to everyone rightly. There's something about saying things gracefully. There's something about saying things, um, that really it's at the right time. It's, it's, it's done well. And, um, so I wrote this down because to me, this is what speaking health, if, if speaking life is building people up, speaking health is, uh, being a gas mask for others. Yeah. Okay. So life in ministry is hard and sometimes people will get caught up in their own toxicity of the circumstance. So they just spew their nonsense in your airspace. And I find, uh, when you're leading people, you have to be the gas mask at times by leading and loving toxic people and toxic circumstances. So somebody recently asked me, Chadi, how do you navigate toxic people or toxic circumstances? And I literally wrote this down because this is exactly how I do it. After I lose my mind and cry in my office and then pull myself together and go, you're, you're a grown woman, push yourself together. This is exactly what I do. So if you are currently navigating a toxic situation, okay, whether it's someone who is leading you or whether it's someone you're leading, this is what you need to do. Listen closely, write this down. The first thing is listen. You cannot respond with love if you aren't listening with grace. So you need to listen, sit that person down and say, Hey, is there something that I'm missing? Um, go to this person. That's biblical, dude. If there is something that you are contending with someone that is toxic, that is, um, that is a problem, go and meet with them, sit them down, bring in a mediator if you have to, and then don't say anything, but listen, ask them the right questions because you can't respond with love if you aren't listening with grace. So that's the first one. Listen. Second one is encourage them. Remind them that the they're more than their situation. I find that a lot of times people that are toxic or people that are functioning in a toxic circumstance, they just either feel like they haven't been listened to and they haven't been encouraged in a while. So encourage them. Then if you have to, correct. Sometimes that's not, that's not really your job. So um, please use that one with care and wisdom. Like, hey, if a person is, they're listening and, and you're listening and you've encouraged them. And then all of a sudden after the encouragement that the door has opened for you to be like, Hey, do you know when you say that it kind of hurts people's feelings or, Hey, do you realize when you do that, it kind of tears everybody down in the room. There's a way of saying it. That's not hateful and overbearing, but loving. Um, um, I, I will also say this. You can't correct what you don't know. Um, so let me just say this. If you don't have relational equity with the person that is toxic and you're trying to speak health over them, stop. You're not the right person for that job. Relational equity is what allows you to speak into people's lives. And if you have zero relational equity, you won't be able to do that. So I just throwing that out there. So after you listen, after you encourage, after you correct, you got to pray. I find that when people come to my office and we're talking through things, I then seal the moment um, sometimes I'll lay hands on them. Sometimes I'll anoint them. Um, but I pray over them, um, because I want them to view the conversation as a dot on a map, something that pulls them out of the toxic quicksand that they've been living in and onto dry land. I always try to pray because I want them to realize that this is a, it's a sacred moment. I feel like if God is in the midst of whatever conflict, if God is in the midst of whatever's toxic, everything will dissipate. And look, everything you say should always lead people back to Jesus. So listen, encourage, correct, and pray. I know some of you are going, well, what if they don't embrace it? Well, then love them anyways. 
You're not responsible for how people respond to your words. You're just responsible for your words. Oh my God, that's so good. Hold on. Chadi, please repeat that. I will. Hold on. You are not responsible for how people respond to your words. You are just responsible for your words. So speak life. Speak health. And finally, speak to what it's not as it is. Oh, Hebrews 11, I love you. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So leaders who lead from love have faith in people and they believe and hope for the best, even though they might not see it. Yep, people are work in progress. Work in pro... They're a work in progress. Yeah, I said that right. Okay, I think. Anyways, it's really early. Um, This is how I see what happens when you have faith in people, even when they're rude and broken and disrespectful and lazy and toxic. You see, you see what's, what's not there yet. Love sees things that's not there yet. And leaders who lead from love speak to their potential. So um, when I say see what, speak to what is not as it is, don't look at somebody who's super lazy and be like, God, this guy sucks. Oh, they don't ever do their job. Why don't you actually speak to them one day being awesome at their job? Because I wasn't always the greatest employee. I had this one boss who uh, loved me past me putting my feet up on my desk and reading Us Weeklies. And she was the greatest boss I ever had because she always lovingly corrected me. And she always did it in a way that made me want to follow her even more into the dark. And so she spoke to my potential. See, people, um, you got to see people for who they will be, just not for who they are right now. And look, just because it's not good now doesn't mean it won't be great later. So if you're loving people, you'll speak to their potential. You'll also push them towards freedom. This is, remember the correct thing where I said you have to have relational equity? This is one of those things. Loving people, leading people takes uh, relational equity. Uh, This is what I think is like when you start really speaking into people's life, you better be in the trenches with them because you can't speak into anyone's life that you're not in the trenches with. Like my team, I love them. I know their wives. I hang out with them. Um, We take time during the week to just talk about what God's doing in our team and what God's doing um, in our church. And so I make a point to really know what's going on in their life. And so I know if I do need to correct them or they have to come to me, they feel like there's always an open door because we have relational equity. Just because you're navigating brokenness or loss doesn't mean you can't speak to the freedom in the future over people in it. But you've got to get in the trenches. You've got to get to know people you're working with and who you're working for. Relational equity is everything. And look, if you really, really, really want to speak to what is not as it is, you've got to see people holistically for uh, who they were, um, who they are, and who they will one day be. In order to do this, you have to actually know people and seek God about people. I remember um, when I was a kid, I had this teacher who kind of hated my guts. And... uh I remember I would do everything for this lady to like me. I didn't understand what her problem was. And she was just rude to me. She'd write me up anything. I mean, I I could have gotten up to sharpen my pencil and she just lit me on fire. And I remember getting home and I was like, mom, it doesn't matter what I do. This lady hates me. And my mom was like, pray for her. You don't know what she's going through. And so I just started to pray for her. And when she would respond rudely to me or call me out. She, I would just, I would just pray for her. And the very next year, I remember seeing her in the hallway and one of my friends was like, Oh, did you hear about her? And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, Oh dude, all last year, her husband was cheating on her. And she found out. And, uh, he had, um, uh, the, the lady he was cheating on her with had a kid, had a daughter and the daughter went to our school and the daughter looked just like me. And so sadly I was a reminder of this lady 
that her marriage was falling apart and I didn't know it. And I think sometimes in life, I never forget this story because I find that when people are just toxic or broken or I, I have to look at them holistically, have to look at what maybe they've gone through in the past, something maybe that they're going through that maybe I might be reminding them of something that maybe God's using me to help mold in them or I don't know. I just, I try to look at the whole situation and then I just pray and love them. Because the reality is the very next year, that lady was super nice to me and very kind and I, we had no problems and it was just it was just that moment in time. It was a moment in time where things didn't go well and it taught me how to love people holistically. And so, look, you have to speak life, speak health, and speak to what is not as it is. So, don't worry about being right all the time. Choose to be faithful instead. Yep. Just hone the whole watching and being silent thing and only engage when you have an opportunity to speak life over a person or a circumstance. And uh, when all else fails, just speak health because things uh, are getting toxic. And when all else fails, it's your job to speak to what is not as it is. Yep, you totally got this. Because after all, that's what Jesus did on the cross. He sacrificed it all just in the small chance that you and I would say yes to all he is all he offers, and um, all we can be through him. Yep, you totally got this. When the rest of the world is talking nonsense, you're going to speak love. So watch your words, choose them wisely, and yes, if all else fails, just say nothing. Nothing speaks louder than all of it. Okay, that's all I got. Love you, weirdos.